Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast network, the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. This is EdUp Edge, the STEM edition, committed to bringing you great conversations with some of the most talented minds. I'm your host, Dr. Tamonte Leary. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ed Up Edge STEM podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tamonte Leary, and I'm very excited today to have my guest, Dr. Stephen Jones, who is currently an Associate Dean of Success in the College of Engineering at Villanova University. Hello, Dr. Jones. How are you doing today? Hello, Dr. Leary. I am doing fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. I'm really glad to have you on our podcast today. And um, I see that you have quite a bit of experience um, as a dean um, and in higher education, uh, particularly working, it looks like at the College of Engineering, um, which we know is, I actually work in uh, engineering org at Microsoft. We know that's a very, um, it can be a very lucrative field, but it's also a field that is lacking, you know, diversity um, when it comes to, you know, BIPOC, Latinx, people of color. Um, can you talk a little bit about your your role at uh, Villanova and, um, you know, how you uh, how you see diversifying, um, you know, helping to diversify the programs, uh, not only at Villanova, but just in general when it comes to this area? Absolutely. I'm going to go back a little bit further um, and just talk a little bit about um, the, the I actually worked uh, at Drexel University for a while, which is a larger engineering college. We had about five to 5,000, 4,000 engineering students. That was uh, back in the 90s, all of the 90s. Um, and then that was to try to increase their minority participation. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And one of the organizations that we, um, that I was advisor for, the National Society of Black Engineers, has had that mission over the last uh, 45 years to help increase the number of culturally diverse engineering students. So I kind of, you know, partnered with the organization along with what I was doing in the community in Philadelphia to begin this whole idea that um, we can increase significantly the participation of, stu of students of color into the engineering fields. And it really was so interesting and rewarding for me that um, that students began to become real resources to each other as we as they went through the curriculum. I created a community on campus through a program called Act 101, which is a low income for low income first generation college students um, who wanted to come into engineering. And they didn't use the SAT as a barrier or a measure of whether students do engineering. They did more so the grades and their persistence. And we had a summer program from there. Uh, that provided them with access to additional training before they started the college. And then when they enrolled, I would um, work with them in terms of just the academic side, the tutoring, the mentoring, the guidance from the corporate uh, representatives as well to help them to get through the curriculum. So that's kind of the foundation uh, really working there um, and making sure that students had support and a structure because you just can't drop a student on a campus, especially they're the first person in their family to go to college. And I was that person. I was the first person in my family to go to college. 
there are a lot of things that I had no awareness about that the whole institutional politics, what the faculty means, how to get resources um, to be successful, why I should go to get a tutor, all those things were important factors um, that I had to understand. So I, so I wanted to just like lay the foundation because that program, Act 101, and there were other campuses in Pennsylvania that help students to get access to engineering and science. I went from there to running a computer school for a couple of years. And then I started a book publishing company. And at, right after that, then I came to, to Villanova University. Um, and I, again, I serve in the role as associate dean of student success and diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, really trying to ensure over these years that we continue to increase that. And so how, how do we do it? Uh, one of these, what does that look like? Thank you. I was, I was about to ask you, right. what does that look like? That's not an easy task. Right. Um, one of the things that we didn't do or I wasn't in charge of at Drexel was a pre-college program. And that, that we have two pre-college programs. One's a Saturday program where students come for seven Saturdays and they get to do all the different aspects of engineering. And they can start in ninth grade and come back every year for seven days to learn about engineering. So one year they might come back and do mechanical engineering. One year they might do civil, one year they might do um, chemi chemical engineering. So just giving them different types of experiences and the whole idea of engineering, we do that with projects and different assignments for seven weeks. And then we, I also run a summer program where students live on campus for a week. They haven't, they're not doing it this year, but by next year, I'm hoping we go back to it. But they live on campus from Saturday to Saturday. They're doing engineering all week. They're working with our faculty and um, we have researchers working with them. So uh, you're right. I mean, a lot of it starts early on and it's about exposure. 75% um, of all engineers come from parents who've been engineers. So how many people in our community are engineers? It's a very small number. So we're, we need to constantly increase. And I think that's what I've done with my Saturday and some, summer program. I do all other kinds of programs and I'm on boards. Uh, my, my responsibility at the university is academic success. So my, my things are all the things outside of the classroom that can help you as a student to be successful, whether it's tutoring and math and writing um, and the science, whatever we can provide to, to give you academic support, to counsel you, to advise you, um, to, get, to be an advisor to our mentoring uh, initiatives, to help with the Society for Hispanic Professional Engineers and the Society, the National Society of Black Engineers. Those are all the things that uh, as a unit help to develop engineers. When they get on campus, they know they're supported um, even outside of uh, what they might be experiencing in the classroom. And I think that that's really, really important. That's what I've tried to do, create a family on a campus that's a larger environment for the students. That's vital, that's vital. Um, and you're doing great work there. Uh, you know, it's very important to expose students early. And you mentioned a program that does that. And I, I think it's a great program. It's actually the first I've heard of such a program. Let me ask you, you mentioned you've been the first to go to college in your family. What, what exposure did you have to engineering when you were young? What was the spark that uh, led you to want to pursue a profession uh, in engineering? 
Well, you ask a good question. So when I was really young, um, I, just like I, when I talk to some of the, the young people every time they come to the college, like what were they doing that inspired them? I did a lot of science and technology, uh, a lot of programs um, in Philadelphia, but I really had a passion for the community and I really wanted to do community work and I wanted to go back to the community to help. So my degree is actually not in engineering, even though I've been working with engineering for the last engineering students for the last 35 years, uh, my degrees are in education and uh, college administration. But I've been serving engineering students all this time from the outside. So the, the community building their um, leadership skills, their communication skills, their development uh, emotionally and socially, all those things that typically professors aren't concerned about. But what I know uh, helps them to be successful academically are not just the classroom experiences, but the things that are happening to them uh, outside. So I think that uh, passion along with you know, wanting to make sure that students survive this really difficult curriculum is kind of what drove me as I saw the challenges uh, of those students. Now, I'll tell you a little funny story. A few weeks ago, um, uh, you know, I was, we were doing our welcoming for our new students and I posted, you know, congratulations to class of 2025. And uh, so I went to my own college and did the, you know, and welcomed them and shared some things. And then a few hours later, I get a call from two of my former students from Drexel. And they have a son that's now been accepted at Villanova University. And he's been accepted in, as a mechanical engineer. Oh, that's amazing. So ironic that I never thought of them as having children and they're gonna <laughs> their child to my university. <laughs> so, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So you 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 mentioned um also you know helping students uh you know be successful uh in, in school and beyond. What are some of the um, you know, if I'm an engineering student in your college, um and I'm, I'm interested in some of the uh, potential career opportunities or um, paths that I could, you know, go into. What are some of the, I guess, some of the hottest areas? I know there's a lot of areas, but what are some of the hottest areas that you're seeing, um, you know, trending for engineering students uh, these days? Well, on the mechanical side, you know, certainly um, the different types of energy, sustainable energy, is big um, solar panels, windmills, and other types of uh, things that will save energy. It's becoming a big driving uh, area of technology. Uh, robotics, you know, robotics is really big um, and it can be used in so many different environments, manufacturing, the, 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 uh, the design of cars, um, a lot of robotics in that. Uh, in our foods today, there are a lot of robots involved in the delivery of food today. Um, autonomous cars, those are the kinds of things that we're talking about. And the other day I was talking, they were talking about autonomous flying vehicles. What does that mean? Like the, the flying vehicle shows up, we all get in the flying vehicle and it flies away to wherever it's supposed to take us to. Wow. Land lets us out with no pilot in the, in the, the vehicle. Are we there? Are we there already, Dr. Jones? Are we there yeah. yet? Yeah, we're there, but they're wow. 
happening with it. They don't want to put people in it yet. As far yeah. as I, <laughs> so, I didn't, yeah, we got to test it out first. I didn't know we were there already. That's that's yeah. amazing, and that's uh, that's some exciting work to be a part of. And I'm sure pays pretty exactly. good too. <laughs> right, and we and we want students of color to be a part of that, not to be on the trail end of it, like getting into it when it's already launched. We want them to be at the beginnings of the revolution. Um, actually, there's an African American uh, who developed the IBM computer. A lot of people don't even know that. That the um, the cell phone every day. There's an African American that developed that. So we're we're in technology that African Americans create. Every and African American uh, created the Super Soaker as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Out of Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. So, Engineer. Yeah. So what we what we do is we change the world. We make the world safer as engineers. Um, we are, they're involved in design. Um, you know, all the civil engineers do the structures of buildings. What they're doing now is using different types. They used to use metal and steel and everything. Now they have composites. They make a stronger um, helicopter with composites, which are lighter than helicopters with steel. Wow. Yeah, I was going to ask you some like what's changing, like what's some of the, you know, and and that's that's pretty amazing. Okay, so yeah. using com using composite materials now. What are some what are some other things that we, we you said the self driving flying cars. Um, you, we're using you, composite um, materials. What else are we seeing as far as you know how 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 things are evolving and I guess changing. Yeah, we're we're living in it right now with COVID, right? Um, they have never been able to bring a medication to the market this fast. The United States is the slowest of every country. You had to go, you know, step by step and really follow all these different procedures, and it just prolonged it. But because of some new technologies that they're using in chemical and biological engineering they were able to bring it to the market much faster. And so that's the use of new uh, ways of understanding different types of chemicals, new ways of implementing different types of chemicals. Um, and we see that even in one of the things that they're really concerned about is being able to fill the world with eight, over 8 billion people on earth. The earth is not really made to hold that many people. So the engineers, uh, the chemical engineers and mechanical engineers and everybody will be working together to figure out how we're going to feed all these people on the earth. How are we going to make sure we have enough clean water? Um, and on Apollo, on top of that, the whole uh, weather conditions that we've been having, you know, the really hot summers and, and cold winters in places that they've never been, like in Texas. Um, so how do we handle that? All that, those are challenges that engineers have to prepare for in the future. And they're they're up to the task. Um, you know, we have electrical engineers that are de designing new kinds of computer systems and new types of communication systems, uh, along with the computer engineers. Uh, Cybersecurity that is critical. We see that already. Last week, what was it? The uh, they shut down the the oil pipeline and messed up the whole East Coast. Mm -hmm. with cybersecurity attack. So we have to be prepared for all these things. Very much so. Let's um yeah that that oil uh fiasco was that was something else. 
Uh, yeah, and people we running out of. A, uh, yeah, we just had a recent um, shortage uh, for another reason as well. Was I know one of them was a a, a big a big vessel got got stuck yes, <laughs> for a while, yes. and then then I think uh, I I don't know exactly what was around the, the most recent situation, but I know I think within the last week or so they were also saying that there could be a gas shortage. Yeah, so, well, it yeah. was. I mean, it, yeah. it definitely yeah. happened. They, the, the, like I said, that some hackers got into their system and shut down their system, and they wanted a ransom to, um, you know, to be paid to them. And so we had to protect against that. You know, cybersecurity they, attacks. They yeah. decided to do something in our electrical grid, and I, they shut down our electric, or they shut down our safe water. You know, there has to be individuals um, that are real creative. And that will work to protect all of these things. Uh, we just can't rely on the computers alone. We still need humans to be involved in protecting us from, from these attacks. Now, Dr. Jones, you um, that's a great point there. And you have numerous awards. Um, you've, you've gotten the Distinguished Toastmaster, uh, gotten the Toastmasters District Award winner. Um, you've gotten the National Society of Black Engineers Award. Um, you also have authored a couple of books as well. Um, that's something that I hope to do one day. And so I might have to circle back around once I uh, get started on that to get some of your, <laughs> get some tips and some pointers from you. But one, one in particular, I think both, both books that you um, have authored are very, um, very interesting. And, you know, the content is very needed. Um, you got seven secrets of how to study and parents ultimate education guide. Um, I actually got several books, excuse me, a third book, also the ultimate scholarship guide um, and the 10 keys to successful marriage. So uh, let's, let's, let's just talk briefly about uh, some of your, some of your books, uh, the seven secrets of how to study. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, you know, obviously you're in education, you're, you're, um, you're helping these engineering students be successful in a very difficult, challenging curriculum. Um, I'm sure they could all use a book like The Seven Secrets of How to Study. Really, anyone could. Can you give us a little bit of background about that and um, what it's about? Yes. Um, what, I, what I really realized uh, from working with students over the years is that most students never really learn how to study. Even some of the better students really don't get a course in study skills or how to, um, you know, how to really manage their time, how to prepare for a test, how to be more organized, how to use their homework to their advantage, um, you know, how to read their book and, and understand the content. So they really don't learn how to do that. And so I would see students year after year, we had a support program, like I mentioned the Act 101 program. It was a book on study skills of about 400 pages. And I said, that's too much for the student to study to really get how to study. So I decided to write my own workbook. Um, so that's, that's the nature of this book. It's, it's you read some, you write some things down to remind you what you should be doing as you study. Um, you develop some better habits and get more organized. You have a plan in terms of what you're going to do. And every chapter actually has a college student that shares what they did to earn A's in college. So I wanted to get the students while they're in middle school, high school, to start developing those habits on how to study. And 
to not join the procrastinators club because a lot of what <laughs> do is procrastination and waiting until the last minute. So this gives some tips on how not to be a part of that, you know, how to write a term paper. There are high schools where students graduate and they have maybe the, the longest paper they've done is three to five pages. And then they get to college and they're supposed to do a 10 to 20 page paper. I, you might remember that, right? <laughs> I remember very well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was overwhelming. So I, I give a method in the book on how you can actually write a term paper and um, easily get to 10 pages. One of the methods I say is, you know, what are your, your top three or four topics? And then you need to write three or four pages on each one of those main topics. And then you have a 10 to 12 page paper. Um, and it just shows you how to outline that. Because a lot of it starts with the outline. What steps are you taking towards your goal of writing this paper? And then uh, the other thing I talk about in the book is goal setting, like setting your goals. And there's a lot of resources in the back of that book for, um, for students as well. Awesome, awesome. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to uh, suggest and recommend that one. Check it out myself. Um, I think I was one of those too. I was, you know, really smart, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if I really knew how, you know, to study. It is definitely art and a skill. And uh, as a professor myself, I emphasize, uh, you know, different study tips and tricks as well. Um, right. What about the parents' ultimate education guide? I'm a, I'm a parent myself. Oh, awesome! I've got three boys and a daughter. Um, okay. What um, what's behind this uh, this this one and why did you feel the need to, uh, to write it? This has this perfect question. Well, I started going around the country and doing seminars with the first book. And, uh, and as I began to do seminars with the students, the parents started showing up to the, the seminars. And um, then they, were, and they kept asking, when are you gonna write a book for us? When are you gonna write a book for us? And I, you know, in the back of my head, I said, yeah, I guess I ought to think about that because I keep hearing it from the parents. So I started writing it and basically it's a book, birth through 12th grade, what should you be doing to help your child be successful academically? So what should you be doing in the elementary school years, uh, even before elementary school, preschool? What should you be doing in middle school and then in high school? What are the strategies that really work with helping those students be successful? Um, none of the chapters are too long to read, but they give you some things to, to write in it as well. And every chapter has a parent that shares what they did to help their children uh, be successful in school. So it gives the parents perspective, not just my perspective on what they did. And there's some really good tips that they offer. Um, and in the back of the book, I have a bunch of resources for the parents to tap into that will help them with their children. I actually also list the kind of classes they should take to get ready their child ready for high school and just try to be a real resource to them um, and stepping them through the process. And so, I, like I said, I did seminars and, um, and that started doing those for parents as well. Now we do, of course, webinars. Um, is, I, I like how you, uh, in, in, um, in both books, you share a story from the, you know, from the student uh, on the seven secrets of how to study, and, you know, of how they were successful. And then you said, uh, for the parents' ultimate education guide, you also share a parent story, testimonial, um, you know, for something that works for them. I think that's really cool and, you know, way to, uh, you know, get out something that's really going to resonate uh, with your audience. Um, 
So I think that's really, really, really cool. And I'm interested yeah. to check out uh, both both books and um, looking forward to doing so. Um, yeah. you're, you're also uh, the CEO of SAJ Publishing and Education Services. You're you're busy, busy man, Dr. Jones. Uh, I yeah, know all yeah. about that. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. You, you um, uh, can you can you share a little bit about uh, your company, your publishing education services company mm -hmm. when you started it and. Uh, you know, what your mission and focus is? Absolutely. I, I just want to talk a little bit also about the scholarship book. Yes, that, please. Yeah there's, uh, yeah, there's over $90 billion in scholarships out every year. And guess what? Half of it goes back unused. Unclaimed, yeah. I, Unclaimed. I, I, yeah, I, I know all about it. Um, and that's a big problem. A lot of, a lot of people are just unaware. They just don't know about them. Um, mm -hmm. And so your ultimate scholarship guide is always timely, you know, when it comes to addressing that issue. Can you elaborate a little bit on uh, on this book as well before we get into your uh, your your company? Yeah, um, so it really talks about the steps because that's what happens. The parents don't know where to start, so they keep uh, prolonging the process and just tell their children to go off and find some scholarships. And it needs to be a process. So the book gives you a process for how to go out and find these scholarships tells you how to write a scholarship letter, how to interview for a scholarship, how to organize your plan. Um, it gives you, you know, uh, scholarship 101. Here's the four five things you need to do right away to go after these scholarships. It, um, it also has, just as I had the students and the parents, it has financial aid officers um, share, share some tips from their perspective of what will help you to get these scholarships, what's available to you. Um, I also have one chapter that gives a little bit uh, information on graduate school and how you found, find funding for that. Because a lot of, a lot of, um, there are a lot of people in our community that don't know about graduate assistantships. So I talk a little bit about that to help. And then there's over 100 scholarship websites in the back of the book. And I, th I think that um, SAJ Publishing was started because I was, again, doing all these seminars already and working with schools and I didn't actually have a book. And, um, and that kept coming up as a topic that will you, will you write a book? Um, and so I decided if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it right. I'm gonna start my own book publishing company. I'm gonna still do the consulting at the same time. And they're a perfect match for each other. Um, the ability to give these webinars or seminars to work with schools and with students and uh, administrators to help them be effective working with principals um, as well, and, and superintendents to have a, something that they can put in the hands of their students. A lot of the schools will use their Title I funds to provide these resources or my seminars to their school's uh, students. And the reason why I really wrote this, especially you want to go back to the study skills book, is because I want those students, I want to stop the dropout rate. Um, and I think that a lot of those middle school students going to high school in the ninth grade still have poor study habits. So they end up dropping out, even though we're excited about going to high school. And the same thing with the 12th, the, the um, student that's graduating from high school. They're graduating from high school and going on to college, but then struggle the first year and give up. Because, and it's just because they didn't have good study habits. They didn't have a strategy for their study habits. So this book points to that. Like, what can you do to effectively improve your study habits, um, work smarter and not harder, 
and have a tool that you can use every day and, and tips and strategies that you can use every day. So I always say it's like building a house. I, my whole idea around these books is I want to give you the equipment to build the house, not just send you to build a house. Here are the tools that you need that will help you to be effective in learning, finding money, and you as a parent, parenting. Love it. Love it. You, you, you're, you know, one of those that you, you see, you see a, something that needs to be addressed and you write an entire book about it. You got to love that. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, that's why I wrote the, the, la the most recent book is the marriage book. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So many marriage to, is struggling. <laughs> yeah. I, I see that. That's, that, that's awesome. Um, I like that proactive uh, problem solver ideator um love it um i want to i want to rewind a little bit or i should say go back to your role um currently as the associate dean of success in the college of engineering at villanova university um can you share uh what your i'm, I'm sure some, some things have evolved with the pandemic and everything um, it's taken a huge toll on higher education. Um, can you talk about what your your go forward initiatives are um, for for the college uh, in the, over the next um, over the next several years? With the main, I guess, what the main focus is of the of the program, and I guess what you all are trying to do. Uh, also, if you have any new um, you know, partnerships or programs um uh you know for students to look forward to in the college um can you share anything about that yes yeah, so we're always trying to innovate and one of the things that we've started is a um a minor in entrepreneurship uh, we see that students often after several years of working in a corporate environment go off to start their own businesses and we want to be a part of that opportunity to develop them into um, individuals who can run businesses, individuals who can start new products and projects, individuals, uh, students who can be consultants um, in the future. And we see one of the ways that we have um, inspired the students is we've had a number of corporate projects where companies can't invest a lot of time in a particular engineering project they'll turn it over to our university and to the students to work on along with a faculty member. And now we're developing a corporate relationship and we're trying to expand those, our corporate relationships. We're trying to expand our entrepreneurship within engineering. So you can be an entrepreneur in civil engineering, mechanical, chemical. Uh, you can do entrepreneurship from those perspectives in the different industries that they're in. And I see that, I see that developing. Um, we have, a lot of students who are interested in bioengineering as well. I see us developing a master's in bioengineering as uh, something that we'll do in the future to, because we have uh, a lot of African-Americans are you know, interested in that, you know, bioengineering, different materials. Uh, they work with medicines, uh, different, different strategies for implementing medicines. Um, and so those are, those are things we're building a brand new, uh, we're doubling the size of our main building. That's a big, big, big deal. We're going to be doing a lot more research and projects with our students. So we're going to have this tremendously much larger building to do all our research and activities within and to 
get more graduate students. And you know, I see over the next 10 years, just you know, our, our, in our 10-year strategic plan, we talked about increasing diversity on campus. And so that's something that if you're a student of color out there, we want you to come to our university. Um, we're right outside of Philadelphia. Um, we are, have access to Philadelphia to the airport. It's, it's like in a great location where you can have access to a whole region. Um, we have a number of colleges that are out near us as well. So we see ourselves you know, still connected in a big way in the Philadelphia community um, as, they're, as we're, they're developing STEM programs. Uh, they have a new, new initiative called STEM ECHO, which is uh, funded by uh, Glasso Smith-Klein. They're giving them the city and this project $10 million, a million dollars a year for 10 years to increase the diversity of STEM students in the city of Philadelphia. So we're partners with that. Uh, we hope that will go on beyond 10 years. We think that it's really needed. Uh, we think that it will open doors for a lot of young people as well, just by exposure. And that's what we need a lot of. We need a lot of different types of projects and different exposures for young people to keep them engaged and interested. Because a lot of times along the pathway, especially when they get to middle school, they're um, discouraged from math and sciences. We need to be encouraging them. And I think our strategy for the 10 years will make a difference. So those are, those are some of the things that we're engaged in and interested in. Um, I'm sure long after I'm going, we'll still be doing STEM programs on our campus and maybe even more programs than I've, I've been able to start. Wow, that's amazing. It's amazing stuff. Um, wow, how exciting. How exciting to be a, a Villanova student at the, uh, in the College of, of Engineering. Uh, with, with Dean uh, Dr. Dr. Jones. <laughs> um, I also um, wanted to ask you, you mentioned the diverse, uh, the focus on diversifying the student body. What about, um, well, how do you feel about diverse faculty and the need for, uh, to have a diverse faculty and diverse leaders uh, like yourself? Um, as well in, in uh, these roles and these important roles. That is, it is so critical for the students to see someone that looks like themselves standing in front of the classroom and teaching. Not only do the African-American students benefit from it, but the students who are not African-American benefit from seeing an intelligent um, leader and teacher and professors on these college campuses. Uh, the challenge is getting our students to um, decide to go in that direction. And you know, I, I always tell the students when they're when they complaining about not having enough black faculty, I'm saying, well, you guys have to become them. You're the ones that are gonna make the difference. So I do encourage a lot of them, if they're not gonna go directly into being a faculty member to at least consider working part-time as an adjunct instructor um, that's one way to even whet their appetite to see if that might be something that they would be interested in doing. But it's also another way that they can get involved in teaching and also bring their industry experience into the classroom, which would make it more engaging because they can talk from the perspective of living it every day in a corporate environment. But we absolutely need um, more faculty. We, um, you know, we're again in our all our departments now requiring that they really next have some strategies to identify faculty. But the challenge I think is often it becomes like musical chairs because we're not increasing the number of black faculty. 
we're just shifting around from university, university, university and paying them more. I would like to see a growth in the number of African-American faculty. And that's gonna take an initiative by itself to make that happen. Um, just informing young people, how do you get there? Um, they, they have no knowledge of that. Um, they only see what they see in front of the classroom. And we, we have, I think, an obligation to make that. There's an organization called GEM, Graduate uh, Engineering for Minorities, Minorities Consortium. And they uh, have an initiative to fund um, students who are interested in going to graduate school or for their PhD in engineering. So that's something that individuals can join. And the things I did, I mentioned National Society of Black Engineers earlier and Society for Hispanic Professional Engineers, but we encourage all students to join these organizations, these engineering organizations, because they do the same. They encourage the individuals that are students to become faculty to um, provide mentorship to other students. These organizations are great places to develop your professional skills. Um, and, and they go on year, they have conferences year after year to continue to develop the students and develop the faculty that we'll see in the future. Lovely. Um, I am a high school senior, let's say, graduating in next month in a matter of weeks. And I am wanting to go to um, a college of engineering. Why should I choose uh, Villanova University College of Engineering with uh, Dean Dr. Stephen Jones? Well, the one thing that's really great is our size. The average um, classroom has about 25 to 30 students in a class. Some of them are even smaller as you go up in the pipeline. We only accept about 280 or 90 students every year. So what that means is that we can provide those smaller classrooms. Whereas if you go to some of the larger institutions, you might have two or 300 students in your class and you'll never get to know the faculty. At Villanova, you'll get to know all the faculty. Faculty are actually teaching the classes so they're not sending graduate students to teach the classes. You get direct instruction from the faculty. They get to know you, you get to know them. Um, you get to do research. You can actually uh, get involved in research with some professors in their labs. Um, we have opportunities for them, uh, the students, even in the summer where we will pay you to work on research and pay you for housing and meals um, to be on campus. So we're always trying to develop and make it attractive for students to come to the institution. And then uh, we're, you know, we have a whole staff that's focused around students, just and not just me as far as student success. We have uh, another person that's over student activities within our college. Uh, we have professional development that the students are able to get a mentor. Every last student as a professional mentor um, when they're in their sophomore years on out. And that mentor is a, a former alum of the institution. It's not too many institutions that do this. Uh, so they Lovely. have- That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah. so they, they get some guidance. And, and even if they're already, let's say for example, on an internship, they can call up their mentor and explain if they're having a problem or they need some advice on a project that they're doing. So it just gives them an edge up. And we see that as something really positive. So I, I, and there's a lot of good things going on. It's easily accessible in terms of transportation and getting to our college uh, in the region. 
it has a great reputation. You know, people know our, our College of Engineering, they know our students and their capabilities. And one other thing I will say is we try to develop humanistic engineers. That is engineers that are concerned not only about developing projects and technology, but how is it going to affect people when I develop this project or this technology? What is it the impact on human life? All those things are still important and something that we're drilling into our students to understand that is not just the engineering aspect, it's the humans that will be impacted by what you're developing. You mentioned, um, yeah, it's, it, it, that's, a, that's a, a big part of it, right? The impact that you're actually making from what you're creating. And you, you also mentioned um, mentoring, mentorship, which is for me, um, uh, one, one of the really areas that I'm really passionate about. I actually started a, uh, my latest venture a few months ago focused on uh, all about mentoring. Uh, it is basically a network for STEAM mentoring uh, for the BIPOC and Latinx communities. And um, actually almost completing the website for it um version one so i'm uh, an advocate of mentoring and i realize how important it is um and especially when it comes to these steam and stem careers for these students i love the fact that you have that in place at the campus where they can partner with a, an alumni beginning in their sophomore year i think that's super important um we're going to wrap up in a minute but i uh, just wanted to also while we're on mentorship briefly um talk about that and talk about uh, any mentor that you may have had in your life uh, that helped you, um, you know, get to where you're at um, or, you know, on the inverse, you know, if, um, any, any, any students that you've had an opportunity to help where, you know, you've actually seen them, uh, you know, benefit from, um, you know, from your assistance and go on to be successful. Yes, so I've had a number of uh, mentors uh, in my profession. Dr. Judith Thomas um, was one of them uh, that kind of, she worked at Lincoln University, HBCU, and gave me a lot of guidance on leadership and developing as a professional. Um, and there's always been someone that has worked in business um, that has helped me uh, to develop as well. And I think that you need to have different types of mentors from different fields that you can call on uh, for advice and, and leadership. Steve Cox is another one um, at, at Drexel University as always uh, supported what I've done. And uh, the list could go on and on and on, but I will say to everyone, you know, have at least four or five mentors or people that you can call on for advice and support um, another one that comes to mind is Dr. Alonzo Cavan. He worked at uh, Widener University um, as well. And again, my, I think it's really important to have uh, guidance so you're making good decisions, especially as, if you're a younger person, you really need that. I've had, I mean, I still have them. I'm, you know, in my early 60s, I still have mentors that support me. And it's something that, you, that will last throughout your career and that will benefit you throughout your career. Um, I had mentors even with my business. I, I call up people all the time that I think have good advice on publishing books and consulting and so forth, um, continually growing. And that's the, the thing I would say everyone, continually grow, continue to have an open mind to learning something new every day. 
And that's what will help you to thrive in your career, in your future with your family. Um, and, you know, again, for me, it's the, uh, the greatest word and strength I've gotten is from you know, my prayers and from God and trusting in God and everything that I do um, has helped me to get through, uh, through life and have successful marriage. I didn't even talk about that. I mean, I've been married for 30 four years, uh, two children, one that's- Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes. uh, one that's working in the finance industry, my son, he's, he's doing that well. And I have a daughter that's working on her PhD uh, in computer science. So we're gonna have, we are gonna have a professor that will contribute to the whole engineering and science aspect. Um, so she's on her, she's finishing her third year with a couple more years to go. So that, really, that's amazing. And congratulations to you and your- your wife on a job well done. Um, I've really, really enjoyed our uh, podcast interview discussion today, Dr. Jones. And I really, really appreciate you coming on the Ed Up Edge STEM podcast uh, today. Uh, honored to have you on as my guest and learned a lot from you. And I know all of our listeners will be able to say the same. Um, again, thank you very much. And Good luck with everything that you're doing, uh, impacting student lives and making a difference. Um, keep on keeping on, and we will be in touch with you. <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate being a part of this. And certainly, again, as a, uh, I see you're such a young man, anything I can do to support you and your efforts and your goals, even if it's down to finding some guests for your program, just let me know. Uh, I'd love to support you and help you to be successful. Dr. Jones, I want to make sure to give you an opportunity to share your website uh, with our listeners. Can you do that for us? Well, absolutely. Uh, you can go to uh, Dr. Jones Books, that's D-R-J-O-N-E-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. So drjonesbooks.com. And you can also reach me on my email at stephenjoneses at rcn.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-J-O-N-E-S-S at rcn.com. So either one of those methods, even in my website, if you want to make a comment, you'll be able to contact me and make a comment with that as well. I really appreciate the opportunity to share this. I want you to connect with me and I want to be a resource to anyone that needs education or career information. Thank you. Are you on social media, uh, Dr. Jones? Do you have any oh, uh, yes. accounts you want I, us to follow or connect with you on? <laughs> yes, I am on social media. Um, I On Instagram, I'm at ed underscore central. Uh, I have a page, I have a few pages on Facebook. Um, I have Dr. Jones, How to Study. And I also have um, College Readiness. Those are two pages that I have on Facebook. And I also am on LinkedIn. If you just put in Dr. Stephen Jones into the LinkedIn search, you'll find me. I've been there for a pretty good while. So I'm kind of all over the place with social media as well. Awesome. So there you have it, everybody. Make sure to connect with Dr. Jones on social media. Visit his website. Um, got a lot of great stuff, a lot of great content, several books. Um, just overall, awesome educator and leader. Thank you again, Dr. Jones, for sharing with us. You've been listening to another episode of Ed Up Edge, the STEM edition with your host, Dr. Tamonte Leary. You can follow me on LinkedIn 
and please leave a rating review and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening.